Welcome to the New Point Community Church Podcast. This message is part of our series, Life is Complicated, We Can Help. We want to thank you for joining us, and we hope you continue to realize and reach your full potential in Jesus Christ. Hey, New Point, I want to give a shout out to all of our campuses, those of you in Canton and Worcester, Millersburg, Coshocton, Cambridge, and Dover, as well as those of you who are joining online. We are honored that you have joined us. Now, today's the big game, isn't it? And there's all kinds of people who are excited about it. But let me tell you what I'm excited about. I'm excited about what I'm gonna share with you today because I believe it's gonna be life-changing. It can change your life, your destiny. And so I'm excited about that as well as the big game, I have to confess. So let me ask you a question. For those of you who know Christ, why did you come to Christ? Have you ever thought of that? Why did you come to Christ? You see, I believe the primary motivation for most people coming to Christ is that they want to avoid hell and they want to be rewarded with heaven. Now, I I have to confess, that's why I came to Christ, okay? You know, there's a positive side of the gospel and there's a negative side of the gospel. You know, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish. That's the negative side. But what? Have eternal life. That's the positive side. And so when we accept Christ as the forgiver of our sins, we don't think in terms of being a follower. We think in terms of being what? A fan. Yay, Jesus. I'm thankful that he died so that I could be forgiven and that I could die and go to heaven and live with him forever and ever. And so we don't become Christians because we really love Jesus. We become Christians because we love ourselves. We want the reward of what? Of heaven. And so initially, all of us start out as fans, a consumer. So we come to faith as a fan, as a consumer, not a follower. And it's not that fans don't want to have a relationship with Jesus. It's just that when we start off, we want that relationship to be based on our terms. And yet we have to come and we have to really ask the question, what kind of relationship does he want with me? That's what really matters. What is his expectations? What would he say that it really means to have a deep personal connection, relationship with him? You see, fans believe about something. They believe that Jesus lived and died and rose again. But followers believe in something, or should I say someone. And my prayer for you as well as for me is that your eyes would be open and the Spirit would awaken your soul to the kind of relationship that Jesus Christ so desires to have with you and me that would go beyond being a fan. And I'm eager for you to discover it and not waste another day living with some sort of watered-down, diluted form of Christianity that really doesn't make much of a difference in our life or those around us. I want you to experience this, not so that you can just experience the life-giving, soul-satisfying existence here on planet Earth that God wants you to have because we say that Jesus makes life better and he makes us better at life, but because of what weighs in the balance 
of eternity. The stakes are high. You see, the bottom line is this. One day you're gonna stand before God and I'm gonna stand before God and we're gonna give an account. And I don't wanna stand before God as a fan. I wanna be able to stand before God and say, you know what, I followed you with all of my heart. And for that to happen, you and I have to understand that following Jesus requires everything that we have. You see, fans will be careful not to get carried away. Now, don't get carried away with this. But followers understand that following Jesus is a pursuit that may cost them everything. But it's the best investment that one could ever make. And so I want to help us with this. Because if you're a fan today, I want to challenge you to be a follower. See, that's what Jesus did. He invited us into a relationship with him, but also in a pursuit of following him with all of our heart. Now, John records a, an exchange that Jesus had with the disciples, and here's what he said. He says, I tell you this timeless truth. The person who follows me in faith, believing in me, will do the same mighty miracles that I do, even greater miracles than these because I go to be with my Father. Then he says this, for I, Jesus is speaking, will do whatever you ask, okay, when you ask in my name. And that is how the Son will show what the Father is really like and bring glory to him. Ask me anything in my name and I will do it for you. Wow, you're kidding me. No, when we ask in his name. You see, God wants to do something in and through your life that will bring honor and glory to him. You see, here's what I believe. Every follower should have crazy stories about God showing up and doing the impossible and blowing people away. God wants to give you a testimony of his faithfulness, of his goodness, of his greatness, of his generosity. You know, I like to tell my kids and I will challenge them because I share my story, my, my walk, my pursuit of Jesus with them. And I tell them, you know what? If you want my story, you gotta have my faith. But Jesus isn't a respecter of persons. He wants to do that for everybody. But we have to believe in him, not just about him. You see, here's what I believe, that Jesus wants to give you and I a story that will make non-believers question their disbelief in God. You know, I have friends who can't believe that I'm a pastor. Matter of fact, they can't believe that I would pastor a church that's growing and that's reaching people. And so they jokingly say, there has to be a God. And I tell them, you're right, there is. And he wants to be your God. And I share with them my story of the miracles, one right after another, that God has done here at New Point. And it causes them to be interested in this God that I know is my heavenly Father. And so Jesus said that if we believe in him, we will do the things that he did and even greater things, the scope of that. So what did Jesus do? Let me give you some things. First of all, he served others. He served others. Jesus said, I have come not to be served, but to serve. That, that's his mission. And, and, and so Jesus 
you know, threw a, a paradigm out there that shook everybody. And, and the disciples would have discussions about this. And we find a time of where Jesus confused the disciples because he found them arguing about who was going to be the greatest. And he stepped into that argument and he redefined greatness. And Luke tells us about it. Here's what Luke records. Jesus told them, in this world, the kings and the great men lord it over their people. Yet they are called friends of the people. But among you, it will be different because you're following me. Those who are the greatest, you should take the lowest rank. And the leader should be like a servant. Who is more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course. But Jesus says, but not here, fellas, for I am among you as the one who serves. You know what he's saying? If you're gonna be my followers, you're gonna serve other people. Greatness does not come in a position that you hold. Greatness comes in the people that you serve. And for that to happen, they had to have a mental shift. They had to have a change in their attitude because in their day and age, much like our day and age, it was the person who sat at the head of the table who was important and who was great. And Jesus said, uh-uh, no, 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 no. It's the one who serves. And Jesus is always more interested in why you and I do something than in what we do. Jesus would say something like this, attitude counts more than achievements. And so Jesus came and served. If you're gonna follow him, you're going to serve. And if you're not serving, let me help you with something. You're not following Jesus. You see, you can always measure the size of your heart by when somebody treats you like a servant. See, we all like to be known as servants, but you measure your heart when somebody literally treats you like a servant. How, how do you respond when somebody takes you for granted? How do you respond when somebody gets bossy with you? How do you respond when, when you're treated as an inferior person? How do you do that? See, Jesus would respond this way. He would say, if someone takes an unfair advantage of you, use the occasion to practice the servant life. Wow. You see, listen to me. If we're going to follow Jesus, if we're truly going to be following Jesus and not just a mere fan, then what happens is you must settle your identity in Christ. Because let me tell you something, only secure people can serve. The more insecure you are, the more you will want people to serve you. The more you will need their approval. On the other hand, the more secure you are in Christ and you base your worth and your identity in your relationship with Christ, you are free from the expectations of others and you are free to serve. You see, this is why I believe that the church is filled many times more with fans than followers. You know, the church is like a football game. You have 22 men on the field who are in dire need of rest, and you have 100,000 people in the stands who are in need of exercise. 
And if we're ever going to make a lasting impact and difference in the world, we're going to have to learn what it means to be a servant. You see, this was first and foremost in the early church. That's why they turned their world upside down. They were followers of Christ. They did what he did, and Jesus came and served. But he also did something else. He made disciples. He made disciples. What did Jesus do? He served others, but he made disciples. And and he let this be clear right up front. Matthew records this because Jesus said, follow me as my disciples, accepting me as your master, as your teacher, walking the same path of life that I walk, and I will make you fishers of men. He says, I will make you fishers of men. Not I will make you more successful. I will make you more famous. No, none of that. He says, I will make you what? Fishers of men. I I, I will cause you to be able to influence and impact people around you. You see, there's a natural pathway of following Jesus, and it looks like this. First of all, we experience Jesus, and many times we're there as fans, and we experience his forgiveness. We think, man, this is unbelievable. Jesus, you're just so good. You're so great. But the pathway leads to this. We experience Jesus, but now we're called to follow Jesus. We're called to pursue him with all of our heart. And what he does, that's what we do. What he says is what we say. Where he calls us to go, that's where we go. And then the third one is we make disciples. And this, listen, this is how it should look in your life and in my life. It's a process that Jesus said. Paul puts it this way. He says, follow me as I follow Christ. And this is the result when you follow Jesus. You should, listen, you and I should automatically reach this level of making disciples. All of us should. It's not just for me. It's not just for a staff member. It's for all of us. If you're truly following Jesus. See, Jesus said it like this, and he reminded them again before he ascended into heaven. He said, all authority, all power, absolute rule in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Why? Go therefore and make what disciples of all the nations. Help the people to learn of me, believe in me, and obey my words. Now, I wanna say something, and I want you guys to know that I love you, okay? Y'all okay? I wanna say something that may be difficult for you to hear and for you to swallow, but it's this. If you're not discipling someone, you're probably not following the right one. Yeah, if you're not discipling someone, you're probably not following the right one, and you are stuck. You're stuck. You see, it begins with your family, mom and dad. You're the spiritual leader of your family. And so you have to take responsibility for the health and the development of your children's relationship with God. And and so at New Point, we're committed to equipping you and encouraging you and giving you tools so that you can do that right there in your house because what happens in your home is more important than what happens at church. And so you're called to disciple your children, which means that you need to be discipled but not just in your home. You need to do it in your workplace. We're called to be salt and light. 
We're, we're called to be able to say, hey, you know what? I want to help my friends. I want to help my coworkers understand who Jesus is and then help them grow in this relationship with him. And then we need to be able to do it here at church. L listen to me, okay? Listen to me. I've said this over and over again, and I want you to hear my heart on this. By the time a young person is 13 years old, their worldview has already been shaped. See, that's why some of us struggle when we hear teachings from God's word because what happens is your mind was shaped before you came to know Christ. And so some of the teachings of Christ are very difficult and hard for you to accept. And that's why it's so important that you and I train and make disciples of our youth and of the next generation. And so I would challenge you to get involved in our children's ministry. I would challenge you to get involved in our student ministry. And let's make disciples. That's how you change the world. And so Jesus, he served other people, and he made disciples. And if you're not serving others, and you're not making disciples, newsflash, you're not following Jesus. You might just be a fan. And then the third thing is this, modeled godliness. Modeled godliness. What did Jesus do? He modeled godliness. That means that he revealed who God was or who God is. And, and, and Paul describes this when he writes these words. He says, he, referring to Jesus, is the exact living image, the essential manifestation of the unseen God, the visible representation of the invisible, okay? The firstborn, the preeminent one, the sovereign and the originator of all creation. And so Paul was saying that Jesus came in the flesh and, and he showed us who the invisible God was. Because Jesus went on to say this. He said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Wow. And so he modeled what God was like. And so if we're following Jesus, we are to model first and foremost to our family of what God is like. And so let me ask you a question. If I were to ask your kids, if I were to ask your your friends, if I were to ask your spouse who you resemble, what would they say? What would they say? Would they say, you know what? My dad resembles Jesus. My spouse resembles Jesus. My friend resembles Jesus. You see, we're called to model godliness because Jesus lives in you and me if we've accepted him. And Jesus did this, and he did it in a number of ways. First of all, Jesus modeled godliness in love, in the way in which he loved people. Look what John writes. John says, no one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to what? Full expression in us. See, God is love, and we prove that we follow him by our expression of our love to other people. You know, we've looked at this verse and, and Jesus summarized all of the commandments in this one basic truth. And it's about love. This is what Jesus said. 
So I give you now a new commandment. Okay, a new commandment. One, just one. It's simple. Love each other just as much as I have loved you. For, he says, when you demonstrate the same love I have for you by loving one another, everyone will know that you are my true followers. You know, I, I, I read a startling fact, and that was this. 88% of Congress claims to be a Christian. Say what? Y'all okay? Yeah, 88% claim to be Christians. Could have fooled me. Could have fooled me. I don't see much love there. I see drawing of lines. I see building walls. I don't see building bridges. No wonder our world is so confused. You see, if you're a true follower of Jesus, you're going to model godliness. And Jesus modeled love for you and me. And I can't love somebody and judge them at the same time. Just doesn't work. How about this one? Jesus modeled godliness in forgiveness. In forgiveness. You know, at his worst moment, matter of fact, at his absolute worst moment, while he was being crucified, Jesus said these words, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. Someone has said that, you know what? We're more like God when we choose to forgive someone who has done us wrong than any other time in our life. You see, what, what happens is when you and I choose to forgive people who have hurt us, who have done us wrong, they're wondering, how can you do this? What kind of love is this? And what happens is it gives you and I an opportunity to tell our story. See, that's the great miracle. That's the great miracle is to be able to love people who aren't like you, who think different, who vote different, who act different, who behave different, and to be able to forgive them. And Jesus modeled this in an incredible way. And he says, listen, if you're gonna move from being a fan to a follower, you're going to have to do what I did. And I extended forgiveness to everyone, to all. And then Jesus modeled godliness in modeling generosity. Listen, <laughs> we serve a generous God. You know, what's John 3, 16 say? For God, what? So loved, he what? He gave, he gave, he gave. He gave. God is so, so generous. Jesus was so, so generous. You see, the followers in that first century were generous, and it reflected the heart of their heavenly Father. See, if you go back and you read church history, what you will find is that generosity was the hallmark of the early church. They were generous. They gave freely of their time and of their talents and of their treasure. They gave freely because they realized that they were following Jesus and Jesus had called them not only to love and not only to forgive, but to be generous with one another. So let me ask you this. Are you generous with your time, with your talent, 
with your treasure. If you're not, you're not following Jesus. You just might be a fan. And so let me close with this. I mentioned at the beginning that followers of Jesus have stories, sometimes crazy stories. Let me ask you, what's your story? I mean, over the past year, there's been many opportunities for you and me as followers of Jesus, because we're his church, to have a story. God's given you moments. He's given me moments that not only has impacted our lives, but he wants to use it to impact other people's lives, those around you. And the more people hear about your story, the more people hear about your testimony, the more impact and influence you can make in their lives and in the world. And God's given you a story. You see, see, listen, we can argue about a lot of different things. You, you, you can argue a lot about the Bible, about what it says and what it doesn't say. You know what you can't argue with? My story. My story, because it's personal. And when I tell you about the faithfulness of God, about the goodness of God in my life, I become a witness of this one who is good and great and generous. And so I want to encourage you to share your story. Matter of fact, you can do this. You can email your story to mystory@newpoint.org. I would love to be able to read it. I would love to be able to hear the stories of how God has shown up in spite of all that has happened in the past year and done something special. You see, you'll never know whose life you will impact by sharing your story. And God wants to move in his church, that's you and me, from being fans to being followers. And the best way to hear the stories of followers is how has it impacted you as a follower? And so I wanna hear from you. We wanna hear from you. So email us, email us. And so if God is moving in your heart from being a fan to a follower, I wanna pray for you today. Because I, I, I'm, I'm telling you, it'll be the greatest adventure that you could ever imagine. And just imagine if, if everyone here at New Point would truly become a follower of Jesus. Not just a fan, but a follower. Imagine what would happen in eastern Ohio. I think it would spread throughout Ohio. I think it would spread beyond Ohio. I think it would literally go around the world. And Jesus today gives you and I an invitation. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter what your past, he gives you and I an invitation to come and follow him. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you today for who you are. We thank you that you came in the flesh. You demonstrated all of this for us. You don't just want us to believe about something. You want us to believe in something, in someone, in you. And so maybe today there's those of us who have never accepted you as the forgiver of our lives. And if that's you, you can just pray a simple life transforming prayer and just say, God, as much as I know and as much as I understand, 
I ask you to come into my life and forgive me of my sins because I want to live with you forever. I want the reward of heaven. But you know what? You'll be thankful for that and you'll be a fan of Jesus. But he wants you to become a follower. Maybe you've done that, but you've never really become a follower of Jesus. And today you need to say, you know what, Jesus? I want to follow you with all of my heart. I want you to give me a story, a crazy story that will cause my family and my friends to set up and listen and ask questions about your greatness, about your goodness, and about your generosity. And so just tell them that. Just say, God, I want to pursue you with all of my heart. I want to serve others. I want to make disciples. And I want to model godliness, first to my family, and then to my friends, and then to my community. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you want to talk to someone about a decision you've made, or let us know how God's moving through this series, visit newpoint.org forward slash contact. Be sure to stay connected with us throughout the week on social media, download our app, subscribe to our weekly podcasts through the App Store or Google Play, or catch us on Roku or Apple TV. Thanks for listening to today's message, and we hope you continue to realize and reach your full potential in Jesus Christ.